as a newborn mother, you are being invited to reinvent yourself. Because when a baby is born, so is a mother. And the birth of a mother can be more intense than childbirth. You'll learn how to find peace and joy in the first 40 days after birth and how your postpartum experience can change your life. Hello and welcome to the Newborn Mothers Podcast. We have Denise here today who a lot of you hear me talk about. She's one of my mentors, particularly um, around money and mindset. And she's been a, a really huge inspiration in my business, but also in my life in general, just in terms of choosing to be happy and, and really having good life. And you know, Denise, I just bought your book on pre-order and joined your pre-order book club. Is that still available now? Yes. So we're doing the book club until the end of March. Awesome. So yes. I recommend everyone jump on that because then you get to join this awesome book club. And in the book club, Denise, one of the first questions you asked was, why did you buy the book? I don't think I actually wrote my answer. My thought was because I just buy everything that you create. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, if Denise makes it, it's good. So um, go and buy the book. It is awesome. But what I really wanted to get you to talk about, although you're really into money and mindset, what I really wanted to talk about today is about how stuff at home impacts your ability to be really to grow your business and, and to live the life that you want to live because it's such the hidden conversation that doesn't often get talked about. So Denise, do you want to introduce yourself before we jump in? Sure. So I call myself a money mindset mentor. I help mostly women really kind of get over their stuff around money, get over their fears around money, feel okay charging for what they do and to release their money blocks so they can be, do and have everything that they want to do in life. And um, I've got three kids. I've got an eight month old, a two and a half year old and a five year old who just started school. So yeah, I'm totally in the season of motherhood and business. I'm totally in the season of business as well. So I'm so happy that we can have these conversations because I just want to tell you everything. <laughs> be really honest about how it works you know and I bet you always get the question that I get which is how do you do it all how do you have three kids and a successful business and also a really happy and relaxed life that's that's really the secret that everyone wants to know my answer is always I don't actually do everything I'm very selective about what I do and very good at asking for help and I'm guessing that you're going to say something along those lines too. You know, actually, people don't ask me about balance a lot, but they often say, oh, you must be so busy. And the truth is I don't feel very busy unless I'm like at the start of, um, you know, when I have a new program and I have a bunch of students come in, usually for a week or two, I'm like, oh, I do feel a bit full. But apart from that, I'm very intentional about what I put into my life. And so I don't do anything that I hate. And like today... Um, I listened to a webinar. I've got an interview with you and I just had a long lunch with one of my girlfriends, Tammy Guest, who you know as well. Um, and now in the afternoon, you know, I'll do a little bit of work. I'll hang out with the kids. Nothing in my life is, um, makes me feel busy. And that's very intentional. And also because I don't do a lot of the stuff that makes a lot of mums feel busy and harried. Yeah, totally. And a lot of that stuff is actually the invisible stuff, you know, like there's that saying, which I never know who originally said it, it goes around a lot, but you have to work like you don't have children and then mother like you don't have a job. And that's actually impossible to do. And it's like, you know, like it's a really masculine approach to running a business to act like you don't have a family. And it does destroy families. I mean, we can see how many, um, you know, men who go that down that path and they end up really 
separated from their families because they don't, they don't have that balance. Um, <clears throat> so I have a series of podcasts where we've been talking about this topic that I call village building. And it really is about how do you get the help that you need at home um, so that you can be the person you want to be. So it might, you know, for some people it is running a business for a lot of my audience it is, but for other people, it's just about being happy and fulfilled and having time to exercise and eat well and, you know, have a social life and all of those things that everyone says you should be doing, but how do you get it done when you've got, you know, mountains of laundry and you can never keep up with the cooking and the, the dishes and the shopping and all that kind of stuff. So Denise is an absolute pro at outsourcing in her personal life. Um, and just had a very viral article that I've shared with my audience as well that we'll put in the show notes about her team at home. Um, because we talk about team at work, don't we? But we don't talk about team at home. So some people will build their village through, and we've talked about lots of these topics on the podcast, through, um, you know, mother's groups or through family or, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways. But the way that often doesn't get talked about because money is a thing for women is paying for that village. So can you tell us about the village that you pay for? <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, I have a nanny who comes four days a week. She comes 8.30 to 4 o'clock. And she usually only has one kid at a time because I think it's, it's too much sometimes to have more than one kid. So we juggle around that and we have a mixture of daycare and school and all that kind of stuff. And we, we take turns as well. Um, but the game changer for me was, uh, was hiring a housekeeper recently because um, when we, f we had one kid, our nanny did laundry. Great. She can do laundry. When we had two kids, she could do a little bit of laundry. When you've got three kids, like, no, she just needs to focus on the kid. So for me, um, having a housekeeper is a game changer. So she comes at seven o'clock in the morning. She lets herself in. Uh, she makes breakfast. She does the laundry. She actually now packs lunches. Now that we've got a school, a school kid, she packs lunches. Um, she does some cooking. So today she put something in the slow cooker for us to have for dinner tonight. She made muffins for the kids. Um, she does the cooking. She's the one who goes, oh, we're out of wipes. I'll go get some more wipes. Oh, we're out of laundry detergent. We'll do that. Oh, there's no toilet paper in the toilet. I'll fix that. Um, so she is like our mum. You know, and I've had lots of um, women in this, this role. And the first thing I say to them when I start, I say, you are a cross between a mum and a hotel manager. <laughs> Everything is your responsibility. It's not my responsibility. It's your responsibility. And I'm going to give you full freedom to do whatever you want. So I give them very little um, instruction, actually. I just say, you're the mum of the house. Make sure we're fed. Make sure everything is clean and done. And um, and I kind of just let them find their way, which I think is really fun too. And um, so that's housekeeper and nanny. And then of course we have the things, you know, like if there's a problem in the house, I don't wait for my husband to fix it. I get a handyman in. We've got someone to come and do the lawns and the pool and, and that kind of stuff. But for me, it's the, the game changer is someone to come and do laundry is the biggest thing. I think that's that's the hardest thing. Yeah, I think so too. I think laundry is, can be completely overwhelming once you have three kids. It's just really, it's actually impossible to keep up. I don't think anyone could do that all on their own. Um, but, you know, you bring up a lot of things. I think one of the first things people listening will feel is freaked out about letting go of control. A lot of people aren't happy for someone to come into their domain and let them take over and do things their way. So how do you cope with that? The way I cope with it is I either tell myself I have to set a standard for it. 
or I have to let it go. And there's certain things sometimes that, um, you know, like my housekeepers have done things and I'm going, oh, I don't like it. So I'm like, okay, well, I have to either suck it up and create a standard and I keep on meaning to like create a manual for the house, which I will do one day. Um, or do I want to do it? No. Okay. So I'm going to have to be okay with someone else doing it. So that's going to be a really tricky thing because sometimes you do want things done a certain way. The only thing I'm really precious about in the house, and this is so weird, is stacking the dishwasher. I, I like stacking the dishwasher because I feel like I'm the only one who can do it probably. <laughs> I'm sure everyone can relate. For me, it's folding yeah. the laundry the Marie way. <laughs> yes, exactly. And no one else does it that nicely. <laughs> so if you have people in your house, I mean, a lot of people are worried about the control. They're worried about safety and things like that, um, which we can talk about. But I think it's just like, well, do I want to do it? No. Nah. Am I okay at not being perfect? I kind of am because I've got other things that I want to do. I want to write my next book. I've got students that I need to give love to and I don't have the energy to do both. Anytime I get involved in household stuff, it does sap my energy for, for other things that are important to me, let alone hanging out with the kids and doing the kid thing. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I mean, if you are working, then when you are at home with the kids, you, you know, you want to be making the most of that time. You don't want to be putting the TV on so you can hurry up and get the laundry and the cooking done if you haven't seen them all day already. Um, <clears throat> so the other thing I noticed in there is that people have different skills. So, you know, your, your nanny isn't necessarily going to have the same skills to be a housekeeper and vice versa. So, you know, and the pool cleaner, they're all different people. So it's important to do that. But I want to know how do you hire people and how long do they stay for? Because I know introducing a new person to your household can be a big deal. Um, we've had our nanny for many, many years. We've had cleaners for many, many years at a time, um, you know, but then what happens when they leave and you start again? And so how do, how do you hire and, and how do you keep them? Basically? Yeah, that's a great question. So I should also say that we have a cleaner who comes every week as well. So the housekeeper does light cleaning, but we have a cleaner who comes and they do the deep cleaning. And that is actually um, a husband and wife team who have a business. So what is brilliant about that is they have to deal with the new people. I'm not dealing with that. Um, and they have new people all the time because that's the nature of their industry for cleaning. They have people coming, but that's not my responsibility. If someone, you know, calls in late or they, they stop doing it, they're responsible for that. And there's many times that they, they themselves come and clean the house because, you know, they've got staff turnover. In terms of um, nanny, I've had two nannies in five years. So I've been really, really lucky. And I think the reason why is I've got a good mindset around it. Um, I believe that I'll find the right person and I believe that I'm worthy of that help. I find that when you have guilt around it, sometimes you attract people who are crap so you can justify not having help. Yes, I think that is so true. And that's the same with the control. I think a lot of the time that's where the control come pe comes in. People go, oh, she didn't do it the right way. It's never going to work out. It's too hard. I'll just do it all myself. But exactly. really what that is telling is underneath what the, you know, the stories that, of what they believe about their own worthiness and that kind of thing. Exactly. So you remember in Mary Poppins how the kids write a letter about all the things they want in their ideal nanny. So I do the same thing. I write a massive big list of 
um, what the job actually is, what it really, really is, what I need them to do, what I expect them to do, even things like the hours and, um, you know, my non-negotiables. And then I also kind of write, what do, what do I want in a person? And I think that can help you to write a job description, an honest job description, but it also helps you to kind of manifest that person because you're putting it out into the universe. This is what I want. Um, and then when it comes to interviewing, this is, I think, such a great learning around boundaries and asking for what you want. Because I remember very early on, we had a cleaner and she said, I don't do laundry, I don't do beds, and I don't take out the rubbish. And I was thinking, oh, no, I can't ask her to do those things. And then the next time that happened when someone said, oh, I don't do this, this, and this, I said, oh, okay, well, that's the job. So I totally understand that, you know, if this job is not for you. Thank you. Goodbye. Instead of trying to pigeonhole people in because you feel bad about, you know, saying no. A lot of people also sabotage it by hiring people that they know. And then, then it's really awkward. It's like, oh, it's my cousin and, you know, she's always late and I never want to ask her to do this. And so it becomes this disaster because you haven't been, I guess, professional. You haven't been a grown up about here's what I need and here's what the job entails. We want someone to start at seven o'clock because we want someone to come make breakfast. We've had heaps of people who have applied and said, oh, I can do it like 10 o'clock. And I'm like, no, that's not the job. You know, so that's a big part of it. In terms of where we've hired from agencies, we've hired from Gumtree, um, you know, you can just put out an advert about it or if you want, you can go through an agency. What I find is um, I actually like hiring people direct, people who've got their own ABN number um, because they get more of the money. A lot of agencies I find do nothing and they just, they take a cut for it. Um, and it's, it's really simple. You know, some people will work and some people won't and that's okay. And so this is like, if someone's going to really listen to this and wanting to take action, I mean, that's exactly what they could do right now is write up their dream list. Who is the, the ideal person that you need in your household right now? And just put it up on Gumtree straight away. Yeah. And we've had massive responses when we've advertised on Gumtree. And like you, we've had to say no to a lot of people. Um, but a lot of them, I don't feel like they're even that serious about the job. Like one of our requirements for a job once was that they had to have their own car um, because I wanted them to do some shopping and some errands. And the number of people who wrote and said, I'd love this job, but I don't have a car. I was like, no, it's you need a car. You can't do this job without a car. So you have to be ready to put it out there and yeah, ready to have some boundaries. So if anyone's listening, that's, you know, you can actually take that action today. Oh, absolutely. And it's such, I think that's really good personal development because I know I had to overcome some stuff around that of like, Oh, is it okay to ask somebody to do these things for me? Um, you know, really ask myself, what do I want? What annoys me? What do I hate doing? And there was one thing I was like, Oh, I hate going to my post office box. I hate it. And then I was like, can I ask if someone can, can I put that on there? Yes, you can put that on there. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, you can start a couple of hours a week, even if you got them at the start of the week and they did, you know, ironed all the school uniforms for the week or they made lunches and froze them for the week. Just you've got to think small, but you've got to start because, you know, I started with a cleaner once a fortnight. 10 yes. years ago. <laughs> exactly. I think we even started with a cleaner. It wasn't even fortnightly at the beginning because we were flat broke. We were both starting our own businesses and just had like no money, but I knew that that's where I wanted to end up. And I think that's really important too, is having the vision of where you want to be in the future and just taking the small steps now. 
because my very first cleaner, I think, was just when it was an emergency. Like sometimes it would just be like, oh my God, it's rent inspection or, you know, like it was just like, okay, what are we going to do? We've come back from a camping holiday and everything's wet, you know, so I would just do it once off because we couldn't even afford it fortnightly. But then, yeah, we went up to fortnightly and then weekly and then twice weekly and now we have a nanny as well and so on and you can kind of um, grow it from there. So I think that's really good advice. Yeah, because you grow it as your confidence grows, as you become a better employer and at better at asking for what you want. My recent one now, I'm, I'm like, oh, can you unpack my suitcase when I come back from a speaking gig? And then can you repack my toiletries or can you? And it's just, oh, it's so great to not have to think about that. And then, you know, another kind of logistical question that I think a lot of people will have is things like insurance and workers' comp and um, even like you were saying, ABN, a lot of people want to be paid in cash. So how do you manage all that in a more professional way? Well, for starters, put that on the ad, you know, must have ABN. Um, we, we just pay workers' comp. I thought it was going to be really complicated as well and I thought it was going to be really scary. And it's just, you just buy a workers' compensation policy. It's really, it's really simple. Um, some of our team, we pay their employees, we pay, pay them super um, and we, you know, we pay them tax and all that kind of stuff. Other people, they're contractors and they take care of their own tax, but you just be really upfront. We don't do cash in hand, um, you know, because I want to account for that. And also I, I, want to pay well and I want to just make it a really clean relationship. Um, we don't, I think we, with our nanny, we do have a contract, like a written contract for our housekeepers. Cause often we, you know, our housekeepers might say for six months, we don't really have like a written kind of contract. We just say to them, you know, if you can give us two weeks notice, but otherwise we'll just pay you by the hour. Um, but for our nanny, you know, we actually got a lawyer to look at our contract and, and we pay a workers' compensation and, she's um she drives our car so she's on the insurance you know things like that just make it a little bit cleaner and a bit more professional yeah i love all of that i think that's really great um the other thing i was going to mention in your book and i recommend everyone reads it the new book is uh called chillpreneur you talk about the keyless lifestyle and it's something that i call like i have a similar idea and i would never heard you talk about this but i call it a cashless lifestyle because i think that's one of the reasons why uber is so successful because you have that feeling of waltzing into you know your driver and then waltzing out and you never have to actually physically pay and it's such a luxurious feeling and it actually doesn't even cost you a cent more um you know so denise's example in the book was she bought a car with keyless entry and with three kids and you know nappy bags and all of that kind of thing that that 10 seconds a day of hassle of finding keys you know it's not even something that costs money it's more it's more just the the space and the freedom but i think that's the same with paying your staff in cash too isn't it if you have to go to the bank and get out cash and then keep it in your underwear drawer and all of that kind of thing and then try and like count out the coins it's it's not a luxurious feeling and i think um i think a lot of it is about that don't you know try not to cut those tiny corners you know because they in the end they cost very little you know to do things properly it might literally cost you a few dollars extra um, but yes, the feeling of abundance and luxury and being professional is so, so worth that small um, boundary. Yeah. It really is. Even for the point where we pay mileage, you know, for our housekeeper, because they're using their own car and it's just like, 
this is, you know, this is what you charge us. This is what you put on the invoice. You invoice this every week. And it's just, it's easy. I want my life to be as easy as possible because I've got other things to think about. You know, I don't want to have to think about clothing appearing in, in you know, I'm just, I love the, the um, laundry fairies. <laughs> I don't want to think about those kind of things. So um, as I said, I do want to put together a manual at some point because training new people can take up a little bit of time, but that's why we just say, just go for it. And we'll, we'll adjust as you go. And it's really yes. interesting when you just give people latitude to do that and just say, just cook us some food. And then we'll go, Oh, you know what? We didn't really like that one you cooked last night, but we loved this one. And um, so they're not sitting there waiting for us to give them instructions. I think, you know, you're looking for that right person who'll be proactive. You can even maybe start getting them to write their own procedures. I get, I do that with my work team, you know, so if they do have good recipes, they can, you put that in our family folder for the next housekeeper or whatever. That's a great idea. Yeah. They can just print it out, put it in the binder. Sweet. Yeah. And then write down how they do the laundry and then you don't have to do that. They've got that ready for the next person. Well, the truth is I probably wouldn't know how to do it anyway. You know, <laughs> someone asked me how to do the, use the washing machine and I was like, I don't know. I guess you just press the buttons. I can figure it out, but you can figure it out too. Yes. Yes. And I think that's, it's all those details too. I was thinking earlier when you were talking about the invoicing, it's, that's a change we've made with our nanny as well over many years. I used to have to remember how many hours she'd done and then which fortnight she was due to be paid. And, and then, all, you know, now she just actually, I just said, can you just send us an invoice at the end of each fortnight with the amount we owe you? So she sends that through. And now on top of that, sometimes she goes and buys some clothes for the kids or takes them to get new shoes for school, or she'll take them somewhere like a museum or the swimming pool, which has an entry fee. And all of that just goes into her invoice at the end of the fortnight. So we just oh, have one transaction. Yeah. Well, what we did with that is we set up a little separate bank account. So where with NAB, we have you know, you can just set up extra bank accounts. And so we've just given our nanny and our housekeeper, they've each got a, a card for that. Mm. Um, and you know, that bank account's only got a couple of hundred dollars in it at a time, but they don't even have to ask us now. They can just go and, and tap or I think they've got a pin for, for one of them. And that's so easy. We never have to think about that kind of stuff. Yes, that's perfect. And you know, these are all the kind of barriers that I think people who haven't hired um, staff before, they think these things are really scary and big and difficult. Um, and they're really not like when you really work on your mindset and you're really ready to have that help, all of these little details can be figured out along the way. And it won't go perfectly all the time. And I know you said you want to talk about firing. You know, I, I have had situations where people were just not suited to the job. And I had to like pull on my big girl panties and, and just say, you know what's not working out. And it's not the end of the world, but it's such great, it's a really great learning experience to do that. And I find if you do the stuff up front of, knowing that you deserve it, being really clear and upfront about what the task is, interviewing people and being okay to say no to the wrong fit, then that stuff will happen less and less anyway. And you've sort of had some practice as you go as well. It's a bit like, you know, you start small and then you build up your mindset as you, you know, as you build up your team and that kind of thing. Absolutely. And it's just, it's so worth it. You know, it's so worth it. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm on board, but my husband isn't. And you know, I got to that point where I, I said to Mark, you can do it if you want, but I'm not going to do it. So <laughs> you choose. <laughs> 
and I think it's quite a difficult thing. It's quite a radical and revolutionary thing really for women to just say, you know what, my house is going to be a pigsty because I'm not doing it. So, you know, you, uh, you know, you as the husband either take that on and sort it out or we hire someone, you know, but I think there's so much wrapped up in women's value, you know, this idea of being a good housewife. Also, the idea of being a good housewife is so wrapped up with the idea of being a good mum, which are actually very different skills. I think I'm a great mum. I'm a terrible housewife. But being a bad housewife doesn't reflect on my ability to mother, whereas a lot of women feel that, that it does, you know, like they feel embarrassed that, that if, if their kids have dirty clothes on or haven't had their hair brushed or whatever, they feel like that reflects on them as a mother. Well, I've even heard it where it comes to like birthday parties. You know, I've had friends apologize for buying a store-bought cake. And I'm like, what? Who cares? You know, like if you love making a cake for your kid's birthday, that's a completely different story. But why why should you know how to bake? Like I remember my sister-in-law, I hope she doesn't listen to this, but she said, oh, you're going to make a cake for Mark's birthday. And I was like, what? And she was like, well, I can make one if you want. And I, I said, I don't even have like all the stuff like to go and buy all the stuff for me to make a cake. It would cost me like a hundred (laughs) bucks. You know, I was like, I can just go buy a cake that's already made and not have to buy all those things like a pan and a cooling rack. And I don't know, the flour and all those bits and the decorations. I was like, I have none of those things. So that's okay for me to not be good at that because it's just, it's like, it's such an arbitrary skill in a way. But of course, as you said, it's wrapped up in being a woman and a mom, but I would never judge someone for, I don't know, not knowing how to knit or paint. But yet we're suddenly, when we become mothers or wives, we're suddenly supposed to learn all these things that maybe we've never learned before. We don't know. It's weird. So um, especially I think too, if you've got a business or, you know, maybe you had a corporate career, you still expected to, to have carry on that role. Um, Yeah, women, the research shows that women do more housework after they become mothers than they did before, even if they work for money. So the gap, you know, when when men and women, and this is only in, in like traditional gendered relationships, but when men and women first marry, the gap is smaller. And after they have kids, women do more housework than men, even when they return to work. And that is just insane like I I just kind of think what world are we living in that that is still normal you know in 2019 well women must be exhausted around that and I I'm exhausted enough I really am I'm I'm I am tired you know I've got three kids um they wake up at five o'clock in the morning if we're lucky you know my baby still wakes up in the night and I just think I'm so tired I've only got such finite energy to be a mum be a wife be a friend be a daughter, be a sister and be a businesswoman and, and all the things that, you know, sometimes I just want to read a book. <laughs> That's okay yeah. too. Like this week um, I was so tired because I'd been up all night um, with the baby and I just went, I'm done. And I just made a massive big bowl of popcorn and I went to bed with my phone and my book and I had two hours sleep in the afternoon and um, Mark woke me up at four o'clock and said, you've got to take Willow to ballet. And I was like, what? And I had like popcorn all over me. And I was just like, I need, I really needed that nap. <laughs> I needed it. Yes. Yes. And you need to not feel guilty about your needs. I mean, that, that's just like a basic human right to get enough sleep. Um, you know, I just have one more thing I want to touch on. And that is really the stories we have about our mothers and our grandmothers, because they didn't have the opportunities that we have now as women. Um, and how do you kind of overcome that guilt that, that, you know, like, 
my, you know, my grandma did it all alone with no washing machine and 10 kids and blah, blah, blah. I should be able to cope better than this. So yeah. How do you overcome that mindset? That's a, such a great question. So like my nan died at 65. So I haven't had her in my life for, um, for about 13 years now. So quite a long time. Um, and I think she would have been really a, supportive of me as a businesswoman. I think she would have been really proud of me as a businesswoman because she always knew that I loved entrepreneurship, but she, when she died, I was, you know, in my twenties and I just um, was still finding my thing. Right. But she would be so, she would be so proud. I think, I don't think she would be judging me for not doing housework because I think she probably would have thought of some of the things that she wanted to do as well. She was very creative Later on in life, she um, painted and did art, but she had four kids and she had an unsupportive husband and, um, you know, she had to do all the things. And I remember this very clearly. My, my um, granddad, he wanted his dinner at 7.30 on the dot every night. And um, I remember one time, it's this family law that um, it was like quarter to eight. And he said, why isn't my dinner on the table? And she threw it at him. And it stayed there on the floor. She refused to clean it. It stayed there on the floor for like two weeks, this baked dinner. And I just thought whenever I think of any guilt or shame or, you know, fear around doing my business, I just think of my nan because she would have loved to have my opportunities. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah I feel like it honours her. I don't feel like it disrespects her that I'm not. Yeah, I think it's really, it's really true because they didn't have the choice, you know, so you know, back, you know, not that long ago, women had to quit their careers when they got married. So for a lot of women, if they did want to do anything with a career, they had to choose to be single for their entire life. No marriage, no children. Um, you know, and the same thing, once they were married, then they couldn't have a career, but also they couldn't get a divorce. So, you know, that made it really difficult for them to ever stand up for their, their rights and follow their dreams. And, you know, they were really stuck. So, in a way, we almost owe it to the, you know, the women who went before us who didn't have these opportunities to actually grab them with both hands and say, yes, let's, let's change this and let's do this for our daughters and make sure this doesn't happen again. Absolutely. And, you know, I was reading a story to George last night. So George is two and a half. And in this story, the, um, the dad was doing laundry and the mum was on the computer. And it's very normal for him to see that. You know, Mark does most of the cooking in our, in our life. And he's, George is used to seeing me work because I work and play all day long. You know, he sees me go in and out of those things. And I just think that's really cool for them to be able to have that example for their wives too. You know, so they're not I don't think George is going to expect his wife to do all the cooking because he's never seen that in his uh-huh. life. Um, that that's the automatic role. And same with Willow. I think, Sometimes I think, oh, I hope she finds a man who has been brought up like that. But if not, <laughs> she can teach him because Mark wasn't, Mark didn't have that. Mark saw his mum do everything and he, he's learned to, um, to be okay with a, a wife that he just <laughs> refuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's true. You know, a lot, a lot of the time, a lot of the time women kind of don't think they can stand up for themselves, but actually if they did, it wouldn't be so terrible as they think it's going to be and no one's going to give you permission by the way no one's it's very rare that the husband or the partner will be like hey 
like, let's get a cleaner or let's get someone in to help you. Um, you really have to usually advocate for that yourself and juggle around the family finances to make it happen or to not feel guilty about it and find ways to do that. Or if you can't afford it for a while, opt out of that kind of stuff and work on your business so you can afford it. It's okay for your house to get a little dirty. It's okay to have tuna salad every night for dinner for for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always inspired by JK Rowling who, you know, everyone says, Oh, how did you do it all? Cause she was broke and a single mom when she was writing the first books. And, um, and she said, she honest, openly says the house was trashed for years. I did not clean for years. Um, you know, so if that's what it takes you to get through that stage, but know that you've got this bigger vision and that one day it's not going to be like that. Um, you just have to start where you're at. Absolutely. Awesome, Denise. Do you have anything else to add and um, let us know about your book as well? Yes. Oh, I actually want to tell you why I wrote the book because I think it's really important. I was reading, I'd just given birth to my second baby. And so I was like, I'll catch up on all my business books that are sitting here. And I started reading this business book and it was written by a man and it was a case study about a man. And it was talking about how he like worked all day and worked all night and slept on the couch and worked on his Thing, and he had like three hours sleep and right at the end of his description of his day he's like oh and then I went home and gave the baby a bath and I was like oh my god he has a kid and this is how he lives and this is supposed to be success and that's when I started writing Chillpreneur because I thought there has to be a better way there has to be um, something that works for women and works for for women that I know and works for mums and um, so, yeah, that was the inspiration for the book. So it's out now. We've got a book club for all of March um, and all the details of that are at chillpreneur.com. And it's, you know, available online and Audible and Kindle and paperback. And it's in Big W in Australia as well. And, um, yeah, I want everyone to read it. Yeah, it's an awesome book. And, you know, a lot of my audience, we're all about changing the, the paradigm, you know, and in my context, it's about approaching motherhood with a feminine lens you know i think we even do motherhood in a masculine way now you know but and that's exactly your book is that book for business it's like how to start doing a business the feminine way and embracing your strengths as a woman and your power as a woman and that is different you know and anyone can be masculine or feminine when it suits them you know like you were saying you have to hire people and fire people you have to have boundaries and there are times you're going to engage on with those masculine parts of yourself as well um but not at the cost of of losing who you really are and what your strengths really are. Um, so yes, if you love that idea of approaching business the feminine way, I definitely recommend. <clears throat> oh, we've lost you, Denise. Oh, oh are you there? Okay. I'm back. Yep. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Oh, I think we finished anyway. So thank you Perfect. so much. Um, Denise, you've changed your website lately, haven't you? Are you? I'm just at denisedt.com. Awesome. Denisedt.com yep. if anyone wants to check it out. We'll put some links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here and sharing uh, all of the insight into your home and your business. Um, and, yeah, we'll catch up later. Thanks for listening to the Newborn Mothers Podcast. Together, we can change the way that women experience the transformation to motherhood. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Plus, you can join the postpartum renaissance over at www.newbornmothers.com. 
See you next time.